0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Airways Podcast, season four, episode 12. I'm Helene Sar, joined by Rohan Anand. This evening, how are you? Well, we have a lot of exciting things to talk about, so I'm ready to dive right in. All right. Very cool, because we actually do have two, I don't know if it's two the hubbings, but we, we, we want to discuss American Airlines, the hubbing Austin. Uh, they're basically cutting service at Austin Bridgestone International Airport starting early 2024. Then we might move on to Spirit leaving uh, Denver, right? Uh, yep. They're terminating all operations there. So we can talk about that. And for sure, we want to discuss the whole interline partnership with Air India and Alaska Airlines. to different alliances, but they can do this. So I do want to know your thoughts. Yeah, for
1: those, for, for those interested in the world of network planning and interline agreements and hub structures, this episode is for you. So We'll get ahead and dive right in. So first of all, American Airlines is announcing the withdrawal of about 21 markets from Austin Bergstrom International Airport. Uh, For those who may or may not have seen, American quietly created a pseudo hub, or I wouldn't even say hub, I would say more of a focus city out of Austin. But interestingly, this happened within the last two years. It was around June of 2021 that they made their big push where they decided to announce flights to non-American hub cities like Cincinnati and El Paso, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Kansas City, Oklahoma City, Reno, San Juan, St. Louis, Tulsa, and then some international markets too, uh, to Cancun, Liberia, Costa Rica, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and Punta Cana, uh, República Dominicana. So with those, then became uh, a push to essentially create a miniature-focused city that would be attractive to a lot of the tech talent that had moved from California to Austin during the pandemic, and then, of course, also be able to sort of create market share in that hub that wouldn't be taken by another competitor, say Delta. Now, of course, Austin has grown a lot over the years in terms of attracting new airline service, not just domestically, but internationally as well. They've added service from Lufthansa, they've added service from KLM, and Virgin Atlantic came in recent years, and Virgin Atlantic has announced that it is going to be leaving that market. So turning back to American itself, the airline was going up against a lot of Southwest markets and certainly was intending to be able to attract the corporate traffic that wanted a multi-cabin product, uh, had the ability to... Lend them through the loyalty programs, uh, the ability to travel internationally. Uh, And then, of course, if there was the possibility to service somewhat of a reliever hub over Dallas-Fort Worth, that was a possibility as well. But a lot of the tech traffic that came to Austin has either discontinued traveling or a lot of that tech talent has gone back to California. Some of the people that also live in the Austin area... Um, are loyal to Southwest. Uh, They didn't really feel the need to flip over to American, especially considering that Southwest offers dozens of markets uh, from the Austin area. Now, smaller markets like Aspen and, uh, you know, Jacksonville, I think, you know, might be something where Southwest Airlines has, you know, no, no presence at this time. But really, I think that this came from the opportunity cost of needing those aircraft to fly to markets that American can make money. Uh, and with the performance of the carrier back in Q3, uh, I think that it's fair time to say that the airline was ready to take those assets, or redeploy them to places where there's strength. So no longer in the Sun Belt, as we talked about in the last episode, but rather into some of the leisure markets in the Caribbean. Uh, some of the international markets that can be very important to fly during the winter months from Miami, Charlotte, DFW, LAX, etc.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Because now that you're saying that Spirit is, uh, they're canceling nonstop routes to, to a few islands in the Caribbean from Fort Lauderdale, at least. I don't know. I think they're going to Orlando or they're going to Miami. I'm not sure
1: true i think that uh spirit made some allusions to this on their uh earnings call recently and i I think this sort of broadly is is another data point that we have on domestic capacity and short haul capacity uh it's interesting that american has announced that some of its long haul routes from dfw are now going to be year-round uh markets like rome and dublin have now shifted up to operate throughout the year and Previously, DFW was more of a seasonal transatlantic hub. So again, it kind of goes within lines of how international is where a lot of airlines are seeing attention. Maybe even as Asia reopens, uh, that's going to be a place where American wants to, you know, add some additional growth. But flipping it over back to Spirit and and you know, Fort Lauderdale, I, I think that we're just seeing a mess all around in the low-cost carrier leisure only space between Frontier, Spirit, and JetBlue. The margin performance of all three carriers even combined just kind of showed that maybe the success of basic economy on other airlines or perhaps the overcapacity in markets like South Florida, perhaps Mm -hmm. the political climate, it's causing a lot of overcapacity in some markets that just have too much downward pressure on local fares. Uh, And so, therefore, that, you know, would lead a spirit to say, oh, well, I don't want to go up against JetBlue and Southwest on every single market out of Fort Lauderdale. I'm going to shift some of that up to Orlando. Yeah.
0: And and mentioning that Frontier just wrote that they want to have the Ryanair model.
1: Okay, sure. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Figure out every possible way you can skin the cat to be able to, you know, go as ultra low cost as possible great right. frontier well, how is that any different than what you were already doing
0: exactly uh, i don't get it oh but back to back to uh, just to be uh, 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 american is counseling 21 out of the 46 destinations they have at austin right so it's half of that more than half actually
1: yeah so here are the markets that are being chopped and this will take place between january and uh, april so okay. jacksonville uh, and these are on mainline jacksonville will go Puerto Vallarta will go, Punta Cana will go, San Jose, El Cabo. No, that one stays and Tampa. Will go. So really, you're only seeing on mainline two markets to uh, Florida and uh, a couple of the international ones like Puerto Vallarta, Punta Cana, and Liberia, Costa Rica. Right. Well, on um, on a you know mainline basis, these other routes are going to stay, which you know is still pretty good, like Boston and Cancun, Las Vegas. Orange County, which might be a slot-related thing, Orlando, mm-hmm. and I think that's it. So there will be still some non-hub flights that are operated from Austin on Mainline Aircraft. Mm. Uh, the bigger hits seem to take place on the American Eagle side. So um, the markets that will be ending include Albuquerque, Cincinnati, Cozumel, El Paso, Kansas City, Memphis, Oklahoma City, Reno, Sacramento, Washington, Dulles, Bozeman, Uh, which is seasonal, right? which is seasonal, Fort Myers, and Nassau. What's really interesting to me is a lot of these are markets that are popular in the wintertime, like ski markets, Mm -hmm. that are not going to be there through the end of the spring break period, or even warm markets like Fort Myers. That's really fascinating. Um, So on on an American Eagle basis... Uh, the ones that will remain, other than to hubs, I mean, it's crazy that Austin to Chicago are here flown by American Eagle. But that notwithstanding, the ones that will remain uh, include Indianapolis, Nashville, New Orleans, raleigh Durham, and Palm Springs, seasonally, and Aspen. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the opportunity cost of a flight from Austin to Bozeman, that's a lot of cycle time taken away. Uh, same with the flight from Austin to Nassau or... You know, Austin to uh, Punta Cana. So, really, I think that American is now, you know, working on right sizing the capacity at some of its coastal hubs. And they're still just going to double down in um, the other Sunbelt markets where they have greater strength. It's really going to be about Dallas, Fort Worth, Charlotte, Washington, Reagan to the best of their abilities, and then Miami and Phoenix
0: uh austin is a regional jet focused and so american has had uh those regional carriers operating more than the mainline pilots i don't know if the cuts have to do with pilot unions contract totally not allowing you know totally i i I completely agree i mean if there's A, a
1: shortage of pilots and b there's no base in austin then how are they getting those cabin crews down to austin to operate these flights Exactly, and yeah. it was really interesting. There was a Skift uh, podcast I was listening to in the gym today between Ned Russell, shout out to Ned from Skift, and then with uh, American Airlines CEO Robert Isom.
0: Mm.
1: And one of the very first questions asked was, "Does American Airlines operate out and back flights?" So out and back would mean like there's, let's say, twenty five percent of the fleet based in Dallas, Fort Worth. Well, it will do just turns that start and end in Dallas, Fort Worth rather than go from, like, say, Dallas to Austin and then Austin to L.A., etc. Um, you know, it's funny that pre-bankruptcy for American Airlines, they came up with this concept of the cornerstone strategy, which meant that basically 98 99% of their flights had to touch one of the five hubs. Mm. Dallas-Fort Worth, Chicago Air, Miami, New York, and LAX. Now it seems that the airline that does that to the, you know, most kind of, um, consistency is United. It's very rare that you'll find a, a, a non-hub to non-hub or spoke-to-spoke flight for United aside from, let's say, the Island Hopper or, you know, the occasional trials they've done, like Boston to London Heathrow. Um, even back in the day, you know, from some of the regional perspectives, United would have these Puddle Jumper flights from, like, you know, Salina, Kansas, Kansas to Dodge City um, and, there's less of that now. It's really just kind of all about maximizing the uh the connectivity sort of index factor at some of these you can't say the word fortress hubs, but large connecting complexes.
0: Right. So you're still flying to uh, Charlotte, Chicago, Dallas, Fort Worth, Miami, New York, Philadelphia, Phoenix.
1: I, I really do believe that there's an interesting story here and, and there's more of a why on what happened. Uh, And I think it's it's fascinating just because it's within kind of a, a concentrated two year period within the pandemic. There's also been shifts in Austin in and of itself. There's been shifts in Texas in terms of people moving there, people moving out, government policies and how that could have had some sort of impact on the performance of these flights Were they performing pretty well in 2021 and 22. But this year they kind of started to tank um are there po- problems with the um, American Airlines uh, operating performance in Austin is is are the facilities not equipped to be able to run these flights in and out of the gates efficiently so that they're not adding on additional operational costs from delays yeah. I, I'm not really sure these are the things that we don't learn about um because the airline isn't going to necessarily provide all these details to us it's it's They're not necessarily supposed to. Or it could come out in the Q4 earnings call. Who knows? Um, The the higher powers that be at American are the ones that know this real information. Um, Nevertheless, it is fascinating because it was something that was sort of out of the box for American. Yeah. Uh, And American definitely was different in the pandemic in the sense that even though from a a wide-body perspective, they grounded a lot of their long-haul fleet, they definitely kept up ASM's and frequencies on a lot of their flights, kind of like what Southwest did too, um, mm-hmm. you know, versus American and Delta and United that are a lot more conservative about parking their planes.
0: So bottom line, American is reducing its operations. Austin, awesome, but it's not completely po- pulling out uh, of the city. And it will continue to maintain services, service levels to all eight of its hubs with nonstop flights and a couple of spokes and a couple of spokes. Yeah. All right. Okay, let's talk about Spirit. Uh, Unless you have anything else to say about American.
1: No, I mean, if any of our listeners are Austin-based or have some sort of uh, theory or insight into why this might have happened, we're we're very curious to know. Leave us some feedback and and provide our our insight. Mm,
0: I have a good friend who's a comedian, Keith Terry. He just left Austin. He's now somewhere else, but he lived there.
1: Yeah, as someone that grew up in Texas and, you know, (laughs) Went to the University of Texas Austin for my graduate program. Granted, right. full time. Uh, you know, I have my own thoughts in Austin. Nothing against it. It's a beautiful, lovely city. It's mm. just changed so much over the last 20, 25 years, and in such a manner where I personally don't think that I could uh, justify living there. But right. well, I have my own reasons. Uh, respect it, love it, love to visit it. Love so many friends from there. I wouldn't leave Chicago for Austin unless the opportunity made sense. Yeah.
0: Spheric Airlines has announced that it will be terminating all operations in Denver, Colorado, starting January 9th, 2024. Um, The airline cited underperformance of its routes through Denver International and ongoing issues with the Pratt & Whitney engines as the reasons for its decision. The Pratt & Whitney issue is something that has been affecting other airlines. Right. If it's if it's not the
1: aircraft manufacturer, it's the engines. If it's not the engines, it's the labor force. If it's right. not the labor force, it's supply chain. If it's not supply chain, it's something geopolitical like aircraft and airspace. I mean, this is this is the airline industry, right? And as publicly traded companies that go through the boom and bust of, you know, being recordly profitable for many years and now all of a sudden you know, thing and um, very low margin uh, performance. I mean, it, the, the the nuttiest thing in the world has become airlines like Malaysia Airlines and Garuda Indonesia and Thai Airways are are, are you know, posting double digit operating markets, right? But you know, yeah. Spirit and Frontier and all of them are, are are doing so poorly, and so yeah, you know, the shares are plummeting uh, for Spirit. The merger is under scrutiny and that may not end soon. You know, the more that this drags on, the longer and more time it will take to actually achieve merger synergies for JetBlue and Spirit. So, you know, they're losing out on time that way. And airlines that are already merged like American, Delta, United and Southwest, they're just going to keep chugging along. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you have 7 A320s that are grounded because of the Pratt and Whitney GTF engine on the Airbus A320neo, um, that results in a lot of capacity that has to be taken out of the system, especially when you know, you're in the you know, sub 100 or 100 to 200 uh, fleet range. Uh, and Spirit flies from Denver to Vegas, so that's short haul. Miami, that's long haul, and then Fort Lauderdale that's long haul. So again, opportunity cost of those three long haul or those two long haul routes in Denver, I mean or sorry in Vegas, that I mean, that's a justifiable decision. I personally do recall that when Spirit came into Denver, they were kind of flying all over the place. They were flying to Minneapolis and to Dallas and to Chicago O'Hare. I was personally very surprised to find out that they have such few flights remaining at Denver. And, you know, this is something that I think can be attributed to the low-cost carrier model, where when airlines like Spirit or Ryanair finally... Um, decide that a market doesn't reach maturity and doesn't reach goals, they have a much shorter runway to actually achieve that. And if they don't, then they're not
0: apologetic about pulling out of the market. Right, um, they're just quick to, yeah. Because, I mean, it makes sense. Like they had a, a small market share. I think it was two two point 2.2%, two point, two and then it, before the pandemic, and now it's less than one percent point eight. So, yeah, it's not working for them.
1: No, definitely not. Um, and I think that you mentioned, you know, Frontier also is, is you know, still there, um, mm-hmm. but that's just one up against, you know, Southwest. Southwest is huge at Denver. United has become huge at Denver. They've gotten more gates. They've invested into the facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some. I mean, this is, this is truly a situation of just competitive dynamics, and uh, it's very uncommon... spirit to exit a station completely they'll exit markets they'll exit routes but to close down a station especially one as important as denver it's a pretty big move um and you know that doesn't mean that spirit will be gone from uh denver forever that's that's not the case spirit is just having to contend with the uh circumstances that it's under and you know denver is far away from its other bases like its main base in like fort lauderdale um and you know, Spirit just has so much going on right now. It, it has a lot that it has to figure out, and so I don't think that Denver kind of makes sense to be a, a, a continued, you know, thorn in the cap if that's
0: going to be a problem. Well, would we you lose like 150 million in in one quarter? Yeah, it does make you want to think about where to put your aircraft in your operations for sure. Right, right.
1: I wonder if you know, the fair pressure performance from Spirit, you know, at Denver has had so much material impact on on fairs overall, given the fact that Denver has always had a lot of low cost carrier capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I, you know, wonder with Denver kind of becoming a place where a lot of people have moved post pandemic, similar to Austin, is there also, you know, kind of a growth cap that's been hit or? Sort of a a decrease in travel that's taking place, where you know the outlook for the airline is not super good at Spirit or at Denver, for that matter.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not a tourist hub like South Florida, for example. That's for sure. Definitely. Bottom line. Bottom line.
1: um, You know, Spirit. Spirit as usual. Spirit as usual. I mean, they (laughs) had one gate that they found, and they got another gate at Denver. um, (laughs) You know. If this merger with JetBlue and Denver ever or Spirit ever happens, then they'll, you know, have JetBlue's presence there. But Sorry. I mean, I don't I don't know. It's it's also gonna be interesting that Southwest has mentioned it wants to start doing red eyes, right? So one thing right. that Denver does do is Denver does have red eyes. Red eyes to right. the East Coast are functional. Um I've done one myself from Charlotte. Um Denver is Charlotte. So You know, I don't know if there were, you know, the possibilities of of feed coming from Denver to, um, you know, Fort Lauderdale or other markets that they could do on these red eyes to be able to say, hey, utilization flying gets them back to the base and then, you know, they can be able to feed markets to Latin America. But as you mentioned, if some of the markets that Spirit is flying out of Fort Lauderdale, um, you know, are, are sort of decreasing, like I know they're dropping Aguadilla, for example, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe there isn't that sort of incremental feed anymore that helps aid filling those flights. Explore Starlix Airlines' exceptional service and innovation as a new player in North America. Marvel at scenic Sweden with Bratton's Regional. Ponder why Berlin lacks a hometown airline. Get an exclusive peek at a massive private model collection in Panama. Soar over vibrant Tokyo from above and finish off with an in-depth history of forgotten United States overseas airlines. This and more await you in the December 2023 issue of Airways Magazine. Pick up your copy today at the nearest Barnes & Noble, or order online at airwaysmag.com shop.
0: Moving along to your article on Air India and Alaska. Right. So, Air India and Alaska Airlines entered into an interline partnership that allows AA passengers to to connect with uh, to and from 32 destinations across the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. The agreement includes bilateral interlining, which enables both airlines to offer tickets for travel on each other's network and uh they also agreed upon a special pro rate agreement with which allows ai to offer through fares for routes covering uh, Alaska's network so it's interesting because we're talking about two different airline alliances air india uh, operates 47 nonstop flights per week from uh delhi, bangalore and mumbai to five major us cities new york mm-hmm. washington and uh, washington dc, chicago and san francisco yeah but yeah, they're just wrapping up, and yeah, what, what do you think about this interline agreement?
1: This is really interesting. I mean, <laughs> you know, Air India has access to the Russian airspace, so you know, if mm. they ever needed to divert to Alaska, you know, they could even start flights to Anchorage if they wanted from Delhi. Wow. Now, um, joking aside, <laughs> it, it, it kind of—I had to think for a bit to think—you know, where where are the synergies on this? I mean, Air India doesn't fly to Seattle. But they do fly to Vancouver. They do fly to SF. Um, Seattle, or sorry, Chicago is a little bit more limited because there's, you know, few flights from Chicago on Alaska Airlines, but they are, you know, flights to Seattle and Portland uh, and LA. So there's that. From uh, New York JFK, I know that uh, there's also Air India Service and then Washington Dulles, right? So you know, right there, that's five or six markets or gateways or potential connection opportunities that exist uh, for Alaska Airlines, you know, to be able to make sense of this interline. Um, from SFO, you have the most uh, capacity coming in from Bangalore, Delhi, and Mumbai into SF. So, you know, could that interline, you know, be effective in terms of connecting passengers onward to Austin, to uh, Boston, to Dallas? Uh, to um, you know, Orlando, Palm Springs, uh, some of the other you know kind of shorter route markets that exist from uh, San Francisco on Alaska. Certainly not as big as United's hub, but United has not been able to resume its San Francisco to Delhi flight uh, given the Russia situation and right. uh, overflights. Um, But yeah, you know, there's a handful of markets out of SF that could be connected on. I'm not really sure. So this is not a full-blown co-chair. This is just an interline agreement, correct? Correct. Right. So, you know, I've always wanted to know more about interlining agreements and, you know, the volume, right? The volume by which airlines, you know, partner in that kind of way. I remember when I booked a flight that went from Sydney back to Chicago that I booked on United Airlines The first leg was operated by LATAM from Mm -hmm. Sydney to Auckland. And as we know, LATAM is not in any alliance. And then the second leg was from Auckland to Chicago in Air New Zealand. And when the luggage tag spit out, you know, I checked in with LATAM. LATAM had their flight number on that, you know, first leg. And then the flight from Auckland to Chicago was a United flight number, like, you know, a four digit uh code one, which is an indicator of an of a code share flight. But in this world of you know distribution and how interlines work, I, I'm always curious to know numbers and volumes. Like, you know, if Helling went to AlaskaAirlines.com and typed in a flight from Atlanta to Delhi, you know, is Alaska gonna sell him, you know, Atlanta to uh, you know, San Francisco San Francisco to Seattle, I don't even know, right? The routings right. and, and, the, and the, the layers. So, you know, a code share to me is a little bit more specific and uh, provides some more granularity, like, you know, Air India placing its code on Alaska flights or Alaska placing its code on Air India flights. But really, truly, I think that this is just, you know, Air India taking advantage of, as you mentioned in your article, looser policies with one world. Um, Air India really just saying, Hey, we're the only airline that is going to be flying nonstop from uh, you know, North America to Canada besides or North America to India besides um, you know, one two daily United flights and two uh, seven daily
0: Toronto Montreal flights. Internal in agreements, it's a more basic form of cooperation, right? So, exactly, co share agreements. I mean, you could book a flight uh, with. Uh, one airline, but you're flying another, you know, operated by another airline altogether. Right. Um, With, with the internet agreement, passengers can check their bags through to their final destinations, get boarding passes and maybe potentially rebook, but that's about it. Yeah. operate on one ticket.
1: But you know, even for me, I had to recheck in Auckland to get my boarding pass printed when I flew from Auckland to Chicago and at the Sydney airport, they told me I had to buy a New Zealand transit visa. Oh, which, which was really kind of, they, they literally had a QR code right there and I had to like do it in the check-in line. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes I, I feel like interline policies in spite of the fact that they've been here for so long, like airlines have interlined for decades, right? The, the policies around them aren't very clear and they're not very clear to the traveling public either. So there's not really some sort of, I I can understand where there's motives from the airline side, from the distribution side, you know, to be able to sell flights, you know, and be able to add additional traffic and volume and connectivity and what have you. But For really, sure. I, I I would love to know what is the logic here. What you know, does Alaska Airlines you know want to say, oh my gosh, look at us, we have a new airline interline with uh, Air India? No, they're not going to like make a huge deal about that. Um, they'll announce it, but then again, Alaska partners with a lot of airlines that are not one world oriented too. So
0: yeah, and Alaska has great service. Uh, so far I have I've heard um uh today actually I I heard uh, I heard really good stuff from from Alaska. Yeah. Uh, from one flight from was it Fort Lauderdale or, or Orlando to Seattle, Seattle uh Anchorage and it was what, 1200 for a couple, per two people? Mm-hmm. Great service, you know, that. I mean, I'm sure that that's beneficial, but it's still Alaska. I mean, the benefits of code sharing is that it allows airlines to increase their route networks and offer customers, like, more destinations without using their own equipment. That's that's really cool.
1: Right. And, you know, if Air India plans to add a flight to Seattle soon, which they may, um, you know, this will be a
0: part of that. They, they plan to add... About fifty percent more 400, 400 weekly uh, new weekly flights for the winter season. That that's approximately fifty percent of the flights serving international destinations. So, I guess it's part of the um, the rhetoric that mm-hmm. they're expanding, they're pushing out internationally. So, this announcement would go along with that, right? Exactly. Um, and I had also forgotten to
1: mention Newark. That's another. Air India uh, station that has Alaska airline service. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. um, (laughs) Funny, though, if you look on the tweet that they sent out, there's someone that's uh, complaining because they say, I want to fly from uh, Los Angeles to Cochin and it's putting... It's not allowing me to do LAX to SFO what? to Delhi to coach <laughs> Poor and for Air India is like having to respond to each of these individual tweets, <laughs> yeah, right just back. like oh,
0: sorry, we're not operating this sector. We'll <laughs> update you soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what a mess. It's a mess, but it's part of the whole, you know, announcement. Because again, and we, you've said this before, uh, and Vinay too. You know, things can change really quickly. You know, next quarter things. Yeah. Happen. I mean, just
1: look at Tel Aviv, for example. I think that Air India has had to suspend Tel Aviv service, or they maybe you know not operating it on the same level that they once were. So, you know, it's a seven eight seven now that they have um, they can do whatever they want with it, right? I mean, that's just India for you, for sure. So, bottom line here <laughs> for for anyone who has been able to successfully book a, a flight uh, between Air India and Alaska Airlines, um, you know, your latest to. You know, the Eskimo gets in bed with the Maharaja. There you go. Let's see how that turns out. So final topic. I think that uh, one that's a little bit more exciting, uh, um, but I don't want to ruin the surprise or give too much, but can we talk for a little bit about the E2195?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, I had the pleasure of visiting um, Fort Lauderdale Hollywood uh, Airport to see... uh, Porter Airlines new Embraer E95 uh, E2 jet Porter Airlines gave us uh first hand access to the new aircraft. The aircraft will be used for the airlines recently announced Fort Lauderdale Toronto Pearson route starting November 30. So today was more like just getting all operations you know set up uh, the the, the aircraft is beautiful so we have a report discussing their foray into south florida because they started flying to north america tampa became the inaugural destination among the five and seven routes that porter will be launching in florida um they want to fly to tampa fort myers orlando fort Lauderdale, and miami and additionally uh there will be flights from ottawa International Airport in Fort Lauderdale to, uh, to Fort Lauderdale and Orlando as well. Canadians represent the largest group of international travelers to Florida. So I didn't know that, but it makes sense. Oh yeah. Uh, but the, Yeah, yeah. But the E-Jet, uh, the, the E-95, beautiful aircraft, no middle seat. I mean, I could just stretch my legs. There's no like middle bar under the seat. It's just, it's a really nice aircraft. We took some pictures, videos, and of course we interviewed uh Embraer and Porter and, and and airport representatives
1: yeah Porter's a lot of fun i remember during their 10 year anniversary in 2016 i went to toronto uh you know for airways uh, and did a report they were really kind and and flew me up there for that the, okay. you know and i've interviewed bob deluce the uh you know founder and ceo and so there's there's some uh, cool reporting we've done now granted this was back in you know the mid 2010s right so before everything changed with covid before the um new longer range aircraft came um you know there's always been a little bit of political sensitivity about billy bishop airport and the vote to not extend the runway support mm. to went through a different routing and said well okay we're gonna instead fly from pearson airport and we're gonna still do these you know transcontinental and longer haul routes not just something you know within a. You know, five hundred mile radius of of Toronto and and Canadian cities, and you know Porter has definitely become a, a little bit more shee uh, shee with the addition of the E one nine five E two. Oh yeah, is one where they have the you know they still have the two by two abreast seating, and they have the. um they have the Porter Reserve product, which I think comes with, like, extra leg room. It comes with fresh food. It comes with generous checked bags.
0: Yes, um, And, yeah,
1: you know, if, if, if indeed their largest market is Florida, well, then, yeah, they definitely want to be able to, you know, offer a product that, you know, has some of these perks added in there. And so, you know, hell, I would love to have a, uh, you know, a, a vegetarian Buddha bowl or a Ham and cheese croissants for my flight on, from Toronto to
0: oh yeah into Fort Lauderdale right and um, a premium a premium pre-mixed, uh cocktail you know to go with that oh yeah it's, 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 I mean that's what they're going to differentiate from the competition is the product yeah know uh, that's that's it I mean it's it's a really nice service and they know it and you can see I think they have like a almost seventy a uh, seventy. Um, Approval, 76, which is is
1: pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. They have, um, you know, free, fast, secure Wi-Fi, gate-to-gate, no app or account required. They They mentioned that. Yeah. They got, you know, uh, you can stream from Hollywood releases, documentaries, and TV series, and you have in-flight power at every seat. I mean, that's (laughs) bomb. I don't know about, um, you know, when I flew Porter, one of the big, Sally points to of Toronto Billy Bishop Airport was in addition to its proximity to the downtown core of Toronto. You had in the airport itself a lounge experience where, like, there's just like free drinks and snacks, not alcoholic, but you know, free cokes and sodas and seltzers right. and chips right. and stuff. I don't know if that's something they offer at every airport or if it might just be for a couple of um, the Canadian airports where they have larger bases. Um, but yeah, you know, they've they've definitely hybridized and gone a little bit more upscale. Um, You know, they are, I'm certainly appealing to a very digitally, uh, you know, uh, savvy audience and millennial travelers, as well as, you know, sunshine seekers from, you know, the North and, you know, Porter also one of my uh, first clients when I was at Accenture was Portal and a big thing, a really big thing for travel on Porter was their travel commerce. So, the ability to be able to book flights and hotels and be able to take advantage of the loyalty program. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it's one of those experiences where, sure, you know, you may live in Toronto and Air Canada or WestJet or if you're someone that <laughs> likes to fly on Sunwing or Air Transat, whatever, you have plenty of options, right? But I, I do find that the the niche experience that that Porter provides, little hipster in a waves, it's, it's 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 a cool. Um, experience, and I didn't even know this. They apparently uh, have a partnership with Air Transat,
0: <laughs> yeah. They basically we talk about that, but basically, they're like, you know what, you know, we, we you know, their focus is on the product, it's, it's on this specific, I wouldn't say premium, but they're definitely not, you know, forget low cost. We're not that. Uh, this is something special, and uh, and again, you know, uh, approval ratings kind of tell you that they're doing. The right thing at least for them and and the, and the e95 is also important for them to to accomplish this as yeah. they spread out in the united states because okay they got an order for 50 but with an option for 50 more so that's 100 jets so they can deliver on on their promise of a superior travel
1: experience and the capacity that they have like 132 seats like Correct. that's pretty that's pretty important you know from you know their prior fleet which is Q400s, that, that doesn't right. carry a lot of people. But, you know, if you want to go up against an Air Canada flying A220s or a WestJet with their, you know, 737 next generation, I mean, Air Canada now has maxes, but they have been using the A220s to fly, you know, long, thin markets, like, you know, right. from uh, cross-country, like, you know, Montreal to Seattle. Um, and Air Canada has posted record profits from last quarter, right? So, right. I, I'm definitely liking the oomph that I'm saying from some of these Canadian airlines. I mean, some people like to claim that I'm like a, a fake Canadian because, you know, <laughs> you know I, I say a lot of things that make it seem like I, I love Canada more than the U.S., which is I, I think that's fetched. <laughs> if Vinay was here, he'd be making fun of me about how much I, <laughs> I, I, I seem to like dote on Air Canada.
0: Well, I mean, the economics is really good on this aircraft. It was just really nice to talk to them. Uh, just really thanking the team at Embraer and Porter and Arlene Satchel, the public information officer at at the airport. It mm. was really, really nice uh, that they invited us. And it was a, a really nice uh, morning with the E2. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, you got other E2 operators like uh, Swiss and KLM and KLM City Hopper and Azul. And our favorite Air Peace, you know, Air, <laughs> Air Peace, the, the the Nigerian airline that's doing anything but being peaceful and wanting to get slots <sighs> at <of> London Heathrow. <laughs> Air Peace, I mean, like you, you ever think that Porter is like a little airline that could? Well, Air Peace wants you to believe that it's still relevant.
0: Yeah, it was nice to see today. Just because I just also explains it. it's like it's nice that Fort La, Lauderdale is like in the middle of. You, know, you got Canada and you got Brazil. Yeah. I mean, I mean right in the middle.
1: Yeah, imagine if Boeing had gotten, you know, that part tie-up with Embraer, right? Right. And, uh, they would have been like no, everything is Seattle now. No. Like, right. I mean, actually <laughs> they do have Charleston, right? So it it's a it's not truly really like that. But yeah, you're correct. I mean, I didn't even think about that, right? The mm-hmm. um the power of those connections between, you know, airlines like Azul and even JetBlue and yeah, like like it's, it, it's prime real estate for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, we're going to have uh, nice videos and photos inside and, and we even got to go out and look at the exterior of the E2. So it was a really nice experience. I hope our readers and uh, listeners can enjoy that uh, this week.
1: Yeah, Definitely.
0: Well, I think that wraps up our conversation about the E-195E2.
1: So stay tuned for a lot more content from Airways that will come out regarding that aircraft. Uh, Helen, do we have anything else that we want to share with our listeners or our readers uh, coming up with Airways?
0: Yes. uh, For the podcast, for the last week of November, we have our very own David H. Stringer uh, joining us for for the last uh, episode of the month, which is going to be really nice because we're going to talk about aviation history. Delore, and we also have Chris Sloan that's coming up uh,
1: of of archive, correct?
0: Oh yes, that's right, that's right. Uh, with Vinay, I don't know what they have in store, but I know they're cooking up something good. I forgot about that. Probably <laughs> taking Chris with, with Chris <laughs> Sloan, right?
1: Yeah, I mean their last names are both
0: five letters, so yeah how Finay um, <laughs> Finay, yeah see, he's not here to correct me and, and, and me <laughs> either so
1: yeah i, I think it's going to be exciting enough chris back he's talked about archives before um it's a it's a very important you know thing to him and a, and a big baby of his um that he's kind of um built into what it is today it's certainly a very fun place to go especially when you just want to take a trip down memory lane and um Really, really impressed by the quality and caliber of images and the work that's gone into redesigning the website. So it'll be cool to talk to him about uh, what he wants to uh, share with the rest of us on, on Archive.
0: It's a nice revamp of the Archive, which we link to on our website, ariesman.com. So it's, yeah, amazing that he's going to be uh, with us. Uh, that's coming up next week, right? Yep, yep, definitely. So looking forward to having him on here. Yeah, perfect. So, well, thank you, everyone, for listening to us. Remember that you can subscribe to our podcast at com, And be sure to read this week's post on poor airlines uh, foray into Florida airports. And that's going to be fun. Yeah, definitely. Check it out. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.